Hi, with CP Podcast listeners, this is your host, Julia, and it is currently Tuesday, May 3rd, 3.33 p.m. This morning, there was some very troubling news around abortion and Roe v. Wade, and I know there's a podcast released earlier today, but I actually have a very special guest, Melissa Johnson, who will introduce herself, and we're going to talk about it on a more intimate and personal level and in terms of like what you can do. So Melissa, feel free to introduce yourself. Okay, thank you so much, Julia. My name is Melissa Johnson. Um, I'm a community activist and actually um, uh, reproductive health care and family planning is a lifelong mission of mine, uh, starting as a pro, a pre-Roe teen um, back uh, before Roe was the law of the land um, and witnessing the impact of not having uh, Roe in place on friends um, who found themselves pregnant. And it just um, inspired me over the decades to, um, when I could, uh, volunteer, um, donate money when I could, and so on. And in the last few years, um, I've been able to spend more time doing that. Um, I uh, recently uh, moved from uh, Colorado, where I was on the board for Planned Parenthood of the Rocky Mountains, and uh, as well as uh, a former NARAL affiliate, uh, now called Cobalt. Um, I lived in Missouri as well, and I was on the board for Planned Parenthood there uh, and have just been very active in doing all that I can to um, advocate for access um, as well as um, providing support to uh, abortion funds. Uh, We have an abortion fund in Colorado, and we also have an abortion fund here in the Pacific Northwest, um, and that um, is going to be even more important uh, for individuals who require access to health care uh, that is uh, no longer legal uh, with the uh, the uh, implosion, unfortunately, of Roe. Um, and so been very active doing that type of work. And then obviously volunteering for candidates that support um, choice. Uh, that is very critical. As we can see, uh, votes matter. Um, they have an impact um, all the way up to the Supreme Court. And locally, um, as you can see, there's a number of red states uh, that um, have introduced some very horrific restrictions um, and um, are uh, criminalizing even the people who help support individuals needing the care. So so I do a lot of work in that space. Since moving to Washington, and I have to give a plug, wonderful, wonderful place. I love it here. Um, uh, have been getting engaged with the um, progressive community, and one of those organizations is uh, Pro-Choice Washington, um, and um, they are an advocacy organization. It's a former NARAL uh, affiliate as well. They spun off about a year ago, and they advocate uh, for policy around uh, reproductive health care, abortion access, birth control, sex education, um, as well as... Um, uh, uh, support um, advocating for uh, candidates as well. Um, they are working in partnership with uh, Pro-Choice Oregon uh, and kind of collaborating um, uh, to kind of amplify their, their voices around uh, advocacy um, in that uh, we're kind of it uh, for states like Idaho uh, and Montana and even Alaska. And now that Idaho has passed uh, their Texas law, it has been um, uh, stopped for the time being, um, but it'll be more important. So the two states, the pro-choice, Washington and Oregon, are 
trying to work together on that um, and are interested in establishing a, an abortion haven um, uh, uh, just as Ca California has, has, has announced that they're an abortion haven. Um, and in Colorado, the uh, NARAL organization worked with a number of the western states, central western states, on establishing kind of an abortion access um, uh, association, essentially, so that all organizations that really support individuals requiring uh, abortion care can have access. So, so a lot of work in a lot of different spaces. So. Yeah, well, thank you so much, first of all, Melissa, for all the work that you've been doing um, for many years throughout your whole life. Um, there's a lot of interesting points that you spoke about briefly that I'd love to like unpack more with you. So first of all, this concept of like an abortion haven. So some people may not be familiar with that concept. Could you explain what that means and what it would look like, especially for like Washington, Oregon, supporting people who are searching for abortion access, particularly in red states? Well, the, um, the, I can uh, speak to kind of what we did in Colorado and then what we're, you know, I guess in the process of trying to do here uh, in Washington and Oregon and as well as in California. But um, uh, after the Dobbs uh, case was heard in the Supreme Court, California Go Governor Newsom came out and said, we will be a, an abortion haven state. And they've gone so far as to putting uh, money to the table um, to help pay for abortions for anyone who comes to the state for care, for abortion care. Um, the state of Oregon, they, um, I, from what I understand, they just, um, in their recent budget, they put, a, I think, approximately $15 million into their state budget. Uh, I think for the Planned Parenthood and a, another independent provider to provide for abortion care in the state. And so that's an example of kind of, you know, and then kind of reinforcing that they support uh, the right to choose. Washington State just this year legislatively, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of tweaked and, and enhanced their um, uh, uh, abortion rights legislation that was done, I think, back in, in the early 90s. And um, and. It, uh, uh, two things such as having more gender accepting language, uh, using, uh, terms such as they and them, um, uh, and, um, and then also, uh, ensuring that people who provide abortion care, uh, physicians, nurses, um, as well as people who support individuals who come into the state to get abortion care are, are protected legally. So, so those are kind of the tools that are in place to, help um, Washington and Oregon kind of, you know, start to look like an abortion haven so people coming in can um, have access, um, as well as the providers who are providing the abortion care and people are helping them come into the state through abortion funds or um, um, even, you know, someone who, a friend who drives someone in from Idaho into the state is not, it does not have to worry about um, any, you know, uh, you know, hands reaching across the state to indict you. Um, and so um, uh, that's a lot of what a haven kind of looks like is how can we make it as safe as possible and enable the, the providers and the patients to feel that they can come to the state and know that they're taken care of. In addition, um, abortion funds play a big part in, in kind of the haven state to make sure that people who can come into um, states that, that abortion is legal in that um, often 
they have to pay for travel, hotel, food, as well as the abortion itself. And so the abortion fund helps to defray the, the, the medical aspect um, for an individual. And so these funds help with that. Um, there are states that, um, that uh, Medicaid on the state side will pay for the abortion, such as in New Mexico. But in Colorado, they have a state constitutional amendment that says they can't, and no state dollars can be used for abortion care. Obviously, in California and Oregon, that's different. I'm still learning a little bit more about Washington and how uh, Medicaid is used. But those abortion funds are critical um, in helping to create a place where people can come uh, and know that they have some funding um, to have the abortion care. The other piece is uh, connecting the dots with uh, organizations that help with travel and hotel and food, which is can be problematic when you're anywhere from two hours to eight hours, uh, maybe having to find a plane to come uh, to a state. Yeah, so this is this is fascinating. I feel like I'm learning about a lot of this stuff for the first time, especially as like a young woman, um, the types of resources, laws in place that really make we're well are making Washington, Oregon safer for those who are seeking abortions. So how can we so as I'm a fundraising person, so I'm curious, like, how can we support the establishment of more abortion funds? Is it something that needs to be done at like a higher policy level or is it something that individual donors like now can donate to? So uh, today, and and um, um, I, I don't have the link with me right now, but there is a Pacific Northwest abortion fund and it covers uh, Oregon and Washington. It supports Idaho and Alaska and, and I believe Montana. And so uh, people can donate to that Pacific Northwest abortion fund uh, and they in turn, they receive, you know, calls from uh, patients or um, that are looking for care and and help, uh, financial help. Um, and then there's also um, and I'm just learning about this particular fund. It's an indigenous uh, women's fund which is um, uh, the indigenous women have established an abortion fund. And that's another option as well uh, that you can donate to. And, and, and that is um, uh, something that I think is very important for us to do as well, is to support the indigenous women's fund along with the Pacific Northwest abortion fund. Um, the other piece is, is that um, we have to recognize that every blue state has the potential to become a red state or a purple state. And so the other aspect of this is that um, I've been I'm trying to learn about Washington state. And um, we've had, I think, a couple of times where we have become um, a, a purplish, where one or two of the houses have become Republican led uh, while we have a Democrat as a governor or vice versa. And so we are now, I think there's 24 seats that are open due to retirements. Um, and there's potential uh, for a shift in Washington that we have to be aware of. Uh, I know in, um, in uh, Colorado, uh, I moved there in 2013 and in 2014, this uh, purple state became a, a definite purple, almost red state in just one election cycle. And it took another t couple of years to, 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 to fight the battle and get back to being a blue state. So for Washington, we, you want to ensure that we stay blue and the policies that, um, the legislature puts into place around protecting these rights 
stay there so that we, we don't want to swing back. And, and so it's, we're an election away, essentially, um, uh, as, as a state, um, in all of the blue states of that possibility happening. So, um, there's a number of advocacy organizations. Um, I think there's one that is BIPOC led called Surge. Um, and then pro-choice Washington and then obviously Planned Parenthood, um, here in the Pacific Northwest has a advocacy arm as well, not just the healthcare, but an advocacy. So there's very, there's a variety of options for people to support on the advocacy side and then on the abortion fund side, helping people afford the care. That is, that is fascinating. I think that is a very real reality that we have to recognize is that sure Washington may be a blue state today, but it could easily, you're right, one election away from being a red state. So like, let's talk nationally. Why is it important other than one day Washington could easily become a red state for people in blue states to mobilize and help those seeking abortion in red states? Why is it a national issue rather than a state by state? Or you could argue it is a state by state issue. Well, I, 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 from my perspective, it's, it's a, it's a national issue. Um, uh, everyone should uh, be able to have access to health care and abortion care is health care. Um, and so by, by, uh, demonizing and criminalizing abortion care, you're saying that, um, aspects of an individual's health care doesn't matter and is illegal. Um, and so it is healthcare, and I believe healthcare is a right. And so I see nationally that we need to fight that battle. The other, I think, challenge we, we have to take a step back and look at with the um, overturning of Roe, which, you know, is not official yet. People could still sign, you know, get appointments for abortions. I, I want to make sure people know that. But once it is overturned based on this, this, uh, uh, decision that um, draft that came out is that uh, people need to understand that Roe was founded on privacy, privacy about birth control, privacy around marriage, privacy around childbearing, and 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 that is a constitutional right. And that basically, by overturning it, this opens up uh, Pandora's box um, that will say. Well, birth control is not a constitutional right, and same-sex marriage is not a constitutional right, and um, interracial marriage is not a constitutional right, as as how this particular decision is written. So from a national perspective, we need to be very concerned about what this decision is saying, because it, it's huge for abortion access and health care that that individuals should have access to, that it also is kind of a, a, a cascading potential effect that we have to, as a nation, be very concerned about. That means that we need to um, understand that that votes matter and that every state at the state level, but then at the federal level, has it has the opportunity to have an impact. Um, there was an article in the Washington Post where they talked about that um, the GOP is already, um, they have different organizations. Um, as Susan B. Anthony is one of the uh, prominent um, anti-organizations. They're already meeting with GOP senators to explore how to establish a national ban on abortion. 
And so you have to, to look at that and say, well, that's kind of a blueprint for all of the follow on rights associated with that. Um, and they uh, unfortunately see uh, opportunity because of the court packing, um, all of the red states doing the, the, the highly restrictive laws that they're doing, um, and they're seeing that they have that opportunity. So we have to, at a national level, be important, and we need to understand that everyone needs to have access to the full range of health care. Currently, 90% of women live in uh, counties that do not have an abortion clinic. So you think about that. People have to go a long way to find um, access. And, and, and then when you compound it by making it illegal, it makes it even more dramatic. Right. So. so you mentioned a few reasons why it seems like many states and almost at a federal level, there's a lot of cracking down on abortion laws and rights. Yes. So Roe v. Wade, to my knowledge, was passed around 20 years ago. Is that correct? Uh, or, 1973. Oh, my. OK, that was OK. So quite like 50 years back. 50 years ago. 50 right. years ago. And here was a teen. Right. I was 14. <laughs> and here we are 50 years later, almost reversing that decision. So yes. what do you think? What? Why is it being reversed 50 years later? What's happening? Well, this this the unfortunate reality is that this is a highly emotional topic. Mm. Uh, and it is and it has created um, uh, kind of that um, of a division in our country, um, and it um, interestingly enough, it wasn't really until um, uh, later in the the, the uh, after Roe and 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 whatnot was uh, uh, decided, and then we had Casey, and and we kind of continued to refine it. But what was fascinating to me is that the GOP uh, back in the 70s under uh, uh, President Nixon actually funded um, uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, there was uh, funding around, um, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the need for birth control and STI testing and things of that nature. And then um, there was a desire to determine how we can, you know, have a, a more GOP presidents, and they used this as a cudgel um, and uh, raised this up. Um, and leveraged the evangelical movement uh, back in uh, the late 70s and the early 80s. And that's what brought Ronald Reagan to power and, and, and really created this division at a, at a heightened level um, in our nation because of that desire to kind of continue to keep GOP power um, in the White House and Congress and so on. And it just has grown and grown and, and you know, uh, Trump was very open about that he was going to, you know, leverage his bully pulpit to put in um, anti-judges, uh, and that, and he brought the evangelical movement with him um, on that and, and, and gained their support. So it's been used as a as a tool to gain power and control from a political perspective, but on a religious side, they see this as their opportunity to. Uh, achieve their mission, um, you know, whether you believe that or not. So um, it, it it has been this whole issue. It's it's been like a Damocles sword over our heads mm -hmm. on the 
on the uh, on the choice side. Uh, we we always knew that that uh, something was going to happen. Um, you always hoped that it wouldn't. Mm. I I look at the Supreme Court had been kind of a firewall, um, and today unfortunately the firewall has burned down, um, and we have to figure out how to rebuild that uh, some type of firewall. Um, and, and that is, you know, it's legislatively now. We have to, at the national level, it has to be legislative. And then states have to continue to fight uh, for those rights as well. Um, but there, this is this is not going away. Even, even with uh, Roe being overturned, uh, the battle will continue. And um, uh, I think Marsha Blackburn, during the recent um, justice confirmation hearings, um, said, well, do you think that birth control is a constitutional right? And so we just need to kind of hold that in our mind and recognize that 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 we are we are now seeing the the not the end but the beginning of yet more uh, turning back of rights. Right. Well, th- so, thank you. Yeah. It's it's. I'm not an attorney. I want to qualify that I'm not an attorney. <laughs> so it's my my uh, my my. Uh, Layman's a uh, lay person's attempt at uh, tr- uh, translating Roe. Yeah, so. absolutely. I appreciate you sharing all of your knowledge and your experience with us. So now that the firewall has gone down, what can we do as individuals to affect change on a national scale? So uh, the the first thing is vote, vote, vote. Get out and vote, and vote blue. Um, that is critical. Um, be sure that the vote that you do for blue is a is a blue vote that believes in choice. So that's that has to because there are there are parts of the country where even Democrats um, are not necessarily pro-choice. So but but vote, vote, vote. Um, and then really get active and engaged with a advocacy organization because that is feet on the ground that. During, um, you know, uh, the elections, they are knocking on doors, they are doing the education and making the calls, texting and so on, helping people understand the importance of voting and why they need to get out and vote, be it for a policy, you know, referendum or for a candidate. It's so important. And and here in in Washington state, you have, as I said, you have Pro-Choice Washington, you have Planned Parenthood, you have Surge. There are other um, organizations I'm confident of. I'm, as I said, I'm still learning the state. Um, and so advocacy is key to ensure that um, that we have volunteers that can go out and do that door knocking, make those calls and texting. That is critical. Um, and they need money to do that. So that's the other piece of it. And then abortion funds um, are critical. Um, is to to uh, donate to an abortion fund, either the Pacific Northwest abortion fund that we have here in in the Pacific Northwest region, or the Indigenous Women's Fund. Um, and there are there's a National Association of Abortion Funds, um, and you can just Google that and um, and you can look up abortion funds. Um, Colorado, we have one of the it's the only independent um, one in Colorado. And they're supporting in Colorado patients from all over the country, literally. Um, so, but abortion funds are key. And then uh, some of the advocacy organizations are also, they have program um, funding, meaning you can donate money to help with 
you know, paying for travel and food and hotel. And there's a, an organization that's called the Bridget Fund, and I can, Julie, I, Julie, I can get you this information offline. Yeah. Uh, that provides um, that just focuses then on helping people afford the travel and the hotel and that type of thing. So, um, so vote, get involved with an advocacy organization, donate to abortion funds, and and donate to those advocacy organizations, and um, and just you know spread the word. It's important. We can't we can't take. Uh, take it for granted anymore. It's done. It's gone. And so we have to, you know, get out there and, and fight the good fight and, and not give up. So I, I do want to say that we can't give up. I, I won't give up. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Melissa. I, I started off this morning feeling pretty down and depressed after hearing the news, but after talking with you and getting this list of amazing resources, I'm feeling a lot better. So I'm ready to fight the good fight and I'm not gonna give up either. Good, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> uh, you're, you're our future and uh, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to fight the good fight going forward for 